Hey, Street Fight Radio listeners, welcome to the show. Sunday night, we're taking your calls. That number to dial is 614-655-3887. We want to hear from you, what you do at work, uh, weird dare officer stories, political things, activism, whatever it may be. We want to hear from you what the people out there uh, in Street Fight Land are doing. Uh you can watch the show live on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube, and you can subscribe as a podcast. That's the way to get what we do. Uh, we have bonus content available on patreon.com slash Radio, where you can sign up for a once-a-month subscription and get access to zines. Uh, you get, what do you get? You get zines, you get videos, you get audio. Uh, every single month, Patreon subscribers get a 20% off code for the Street Fight store. So if there's any shirts or stickers or anything like that, 20% off for all of our Patreon people. So if you're looking at that new Lermworm shirt that we're taking a pre-order on, uh, consider signing up on Patreon to get access to that code. My name is Brett Payne. My co-host is Brian Quinby. We're the number one anarcho-comedy radio show on any station across the nation. We're live on WCRS in Columbus, Ohio, and we're here to help party this world into a better place. I think that's the way I think about it. That's the way you, so you've got it down to we're going to party this world to a better place. Yeah, that's the, that's the best I got. And I don't think you're going to be on the Vanguard. Probably not. Me? I think you got to, uh, tanks, I guess. Tanks You got to steal sense. some of the tanks. Man, yeah. Okay. And you got to fucking line them up. And then you got to fire them. And I'm not going to tell you at who or Ooh, what. Yeah. But you know who. Sure. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. He's on his way out now. You got to kick a man while he's losing a bunch of court cases all around the country. No, you should throw an apple at the back of his head as he walks away. <laughs> throw, yeah, just throw court, pitch quarters at him. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah i wish he would get humiliated yeah i mean i nice. know for a couple of days i was like this is fun watching him lose all these court cases you know it's like getting into it i was like i like this but now it's like every day it goes by you're kind of like he might he might stay the president <laughs> you know and it's like this he's not humiliated yet he's not properly humiliated yet i think he has to turn into one of his sons for him to be humiliated like he needs the freaky friday with eric trump and then that's full humiliation can we do that can we put him and eric trump in like the fly machine and have him switch bodies we can put our best antifa scientists on it (laughs) you imagine if he had to be one of his sons bleak life that is bleak life yeah the Trump sons just looking like really legitimately looking like Beavis and Butthead. Too much, like, yeah. Too much, like an illegal type way. Could play them. Could yeah. Could play them in the live action movie easily. They should. I mean, yeah. Why not? What else are they doing? I'm just that. reading this whole article yesterday on um, CNN about the New York Manhattan social scene. Okay. You're gonna welcome Ivanka and Jared Kushner back oh. into their good graces. And I'm I, the whole time reading it, it's like this is supposed to feel real good to me to read. Like they're not gonna get to be a part of this. 
They will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, the, the New York social scene isn't going to be like, oh, we don't like these people. They're going to be like, oh, your dad, he's a real son of a bitch, huh? You know, your father-in-law, he's a real yeah. this and that. And it's like, you're you're not like that. You was trying to do the right thing when he was in there. They'll giggle and laugh it off and just wave it away. Like, oh, gosh, that was embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Let me write this check. Yeah. I'm watching this weed cooking show where okay. they cook with weed. Right. Everything's two milligrams. Everything's two milligrams THC and 15 milligrams of CBD. Okay. Everything? Every bite? Every, yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like, you can't do a weed cooking show. And I'm going to tell you why you can't do a weed cooking show. Three courses, three competitors. Right. So you don't know who's getting you fucked up. You're just sitting there getting fucked up. Right. You know? Right. There's no way to trace it back. You'd have to do it on like separate days. Exactly. You would. Yes. Yes. They're doing it like chopped. It's like, I mean, the the weed stuff is like, yeah, you know, but and they're, they're you know, they're like, well, I use some terpenes in here to right. alter the taste a little, you know? Right. But it, it's, it's like uh, uh three course meal three three course meals these people have probably had 20 milligrams of wheat thc in them uh-huh. and 200 and maybe 300 400 milligrams of cbd so it was just kind of like i don't know i don't know what this all is man <laughs> i would love to have one of these people like make me one meal like a, a the chef's menu uh-huh. like i would love to sit down and do something like that with infused foods and let somebody take me on a ride. Uh-huh. But I don't think you can judge that kind of thing. It's just, I don't like it. I mean, I, I've watched like four episodes of it. And there's only ten. Doesn't so, work, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't work for me. It just, it, It's just like, you know, the judges, I don't think really judge it. I think Khalees and this guy named Leather okay. pick the winner, you know? Sure. And you have to, I mean, Leather is probably the... The expert here, I guess. He's a chef and journalist. I okay. Believe. Leather uh-huh. is his name. Yeah. Tough name. And he is uh, uh, loud and he's gregarious and they all love weed. They're all like doing it because they're like, I want people to understand weed issues and weed stuff. And it's like, I mean... I love weed, so I get it. You know, you want to get that out to people and, <laughs> and let everybody know that you loved weed. Yeah, you want people to I try would, it out and shit. I think it would be kind of fun, though, to have a show like Celebrity Drinking Party, though, where like you just fill them full of like high percentage alcohol and watch them act really stupid and drunk. Dude, I did watch uh, the other night. I was, I, was, I was fucking lit up stoned because I've been like eating my regular serving of edibles and then i have these nighttime edibles that i'm eating before i go to bed and i'm laying in bed and you know that you know how uh, if anybody knows this about me it's brett you know how i love that show moonshiners yeah (laughs) because when we were on tour i just would sit and watch moonshiners for four hours a night a lot of times they have a, a moon they took all the guys from moonshiners got it right three of them And they made them judges on a show where people make booze. Okay. So it's like three guys with, they, they start with a still and the same mash. Then they get to 
sometimes they get to like make a new still. Sometimes they get to make a new mash. And then the third time they get a couple days, they come back, they make a signature homebrew. Whiskey. White lightning. Well, it's it's they pick, right? So it'll be like, oh, you got to make a fucking rum this week. You know, you got to make this. And uh, there was a guy on there, this like hipster gentrifier guy that was like, oh, I, oh I'm really into uh, science and shit. You know, I know about flavors and tastes and, and you know, this and that. He's just right. going off about fucking palates and shit. And uh, the other two guys are straight hillbillies, just as <laughs> hillbilly as it comes. Just man. likes to, to get drunk. Yeah, they just want to get drunk. And they were like, well, a cool way to get drunk is to make your own stuff right. that'll get you drunk. And uh, this fucking guy was like trying to get the best, the best brew. And he was just drinking and drinking and drinking. And the motherfucker got so drunk on this TV show. <laughs> he uh, losing. Yeah. And he's the one that probably by all account should have won he's got all this fucking he had like a master's and some kind of chemical engineering or some shit you like the guy knew thing right like he had the ability to make something and he made something that tastes like shit and i firmly believe it's because he was too drunk mm -hmm. and then the guys were like uh can somebody when when the guys from moonshiners were taste testing it the guy took a drink and he was like can somebody hand me a turd so i can get this taste out of my mouth <laughs> 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 and then the dude was like, those are the notes I was actually trying to hit. Ah. That hit all the notes I was trying to hit. Oh, and they were nice. like, well, <laughs> tastes like shit. Yeah. So. Why do you choose the bad ones? Thank you. But it, it is like, it's good to see my boys from Moonshine. It's good to see Tickle from Moonshine yeah. have something to do. Right. You know? Yeah, there's so many people these days, you know, Tickle, Leather, Ramrod. Yeah. I love Tickle. Head Gasket. Though. I love Tickle. He's the drunk one that always gets hurt. He's always too drunk and he always gets hurt. And it's just like, Tickle, you fucking rap scallion. Yeah. I love that damn show. I, I watched so much Moonshiners in 2018, 2019 when we were on tour. I don't remember Moonshiners that, that You don't? No. I watched a lot of Moonshiners and a lot of Street Racers. The Street, street Racers. Street Racing was good. But, like, I'd like the Moonshiners more. Sure. They're fucking... They're after your heart. Running around in the woods, fucking making... Le First of all, it's legal. Most of them are making it legally. They just do it out in the woods so they can be like, hey, I... Right. You know, I did it out in the woods. <laughs> Old school style. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Running from the cops, but with camera guys with them and shit like that. Yeah, it's just yeah. A, it's like a real setup, but it, they're, they're like real characters, you know? Sure. They're like, I knew popcorn sitting. <laughs> oh yeah wow yeah yeah it's impressive a lot of them knew popcorn so every one of them are like i knew popcorn Sutton. i met him i trained under him yeah there's one guy that's that is on the show and he usually just wears overalls like bib overalls without a shirt but he puts a shirt on under him for the tv show okay but then on one episode they're like the judges are gonna make have a competition with each other and as soon as he starts making his liquor he takes his shirt off and puts his... pop that shirt off <laughs> yeah. this is getting in the way so many guys i grew up with would have a time it's like well on on the last basement show we we're listening to uh kevin o'leary talk about how whenever he's talking about money he puts on a tie yeah. i know a lot of guys that whenever they were doing something they took off a shirt 
wait, wait, wait. We're talking about cars? Yeah. Take my shirt off real quick. Let me get comfortable. (laughs) I love that shit. I've never been a take my shirt off in public guy. The only time I ever did it was once or twice in my life. And every time I felt real bad about it. And it was just like, I don't know. My shirt doesn't bother me. No, it never has bothered me either. I don't know why people take their shirts off. You know? Yeah. The shirt has never been a thing that's been in my way. It's like more often than not, my pants are more of a bother for me. Okay. I mean, that's where the chafing and all that stuff happens. You know, shirt, nothing. It's just a shirt. It's fine. It just sits there. Yeah. You know? Right. But I'm not going to take my pants off in public. That's what I mean by most of the time. Right. If you're, if we're taking off uncomfortable clothing, garments to clothing, it would be pants. But if you take off your pants, you don't, people don't want me to take off my pants. True. That's something I know. True. People don't want you to take off your pants. True. And that's how I feel about taking off your shirt. Okay. But if you want to take off your shirt, I don't care. I mean, like I said, I, I don't care if you're naked, but it's just, you know, you should the restraint. You should show the same restraint that I'm showing, I right. guess, is the way I feel. Yeah. We all wish we could, but not till we're at home. Yes. Yes. All right. Do you sit? Do you sit around without a shirt on here, at home? Uh sometimes. Mm, not me. If I wake up, or uh, when I wake up, or out of the shower, maybe, but uh, not usually. I don't. Not think. usually. Sorry, I don't have anything interesting to say. Mm, tornado warnings in New York City. So that's neat. That makes it big news, I guess. So, we had the biggest wind of all time today. It was something else. I can't remember the last time it whipped through like it did today, you know? It was like violent wind in a way that there was a point where I said, is this a tornado? Like, is this a small tornado? Uh Uh-huh. I've never seen wind. Wind picks up, okay? Like, the way I see it. Wind starts slow and increases until you're like, fuck, it got windy. Yeah. You know, you don't usually know. Today, it was not windy. And then all of a sudden, it was fucking like a punch in the face. I went for a walk. It was the, mark my word, I've walked during an Arctic free polar vortex. I have walked during one of those. Worst walk was today. It was so windy, so fucking windy. There were times where I was like, I think I got to take a break for a minute. It feels like I'm using all my strength to walk. (laughs) Yeah. Pushing against the wind. I did eight miles today because it was just, there was so much wind. And and it was just like, uh, uh, I was in the Ohio chat and they were like, don't get brained by a piece of fucking wood from a tree. So then it's got me thinking about wood from a tree hitting me but i didn't think that was gonna happen walking helmet you need to get a walking helmet yeah 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 well i did get weirded out because brett got me on this citizen app it's this app where it tells you what's happening basically the reasons the police have crimes yeah Yeah. and uh emergencies uh, yeah any kind of emergencies so i got the thing and it said like it said it said like uh uh chambers road uh 
uh, electrical pole on fire. Pole down on 13th Avenue. Pole down on 14th Avenue. Uh, I got to Duncan for my coffee and the electricity was out. So they gave it to me for free. I don't know why I walked in. Don't I feel bad about the fact that I walked in. But to a look- dark ass Duncan? What? To a dark Duncan? Yeah, but there were people in there working on their computers. Ah. Uh. So it was just like, well, hey, can I bug you for coffee? I wanted a coffee, my dude. So I, I, I went into the Dunkin' and got my coffee, and you know, I walked out and I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta finish this walk. But this wind is my trial for this week. Is what my hope is. Like I hope the rest of the week goes by really nicely for me. Yeah, because that wind was a. Uh, uh, I mean, I didn't think we were going to do the show tonight. I really didn't think you were going to have power here because you live in an old-timey neighborhood. Yeah. Where everything's fucking been chewed eight times by squirrels. I thought the wind was just going to blow something in half. Yeah. The trees are gigantic. They were dive-bombing the house, like, hitting so fucking hard. It was just like, that's dangerous. I wish that... Could that stop, please? That's got to suck to be... Like, this is your first, like... I guess you're coming in. Well, no, this is your first year as a homeowner. You get this big wind and like generally in the past when it was windy like this, you were probably like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Wind all day. I'm just going to watch TV, you know? Yeah. And then now you're sitting in your house and you can hear the trees hitting the roof and you're like, am I going to have to get a new fucking roof? There were shingles all over the place while I was walking. Today. Really? Oh, Yeah. The fucking wind was just taking them shingles right off of the houses. Oof. Metal coming off the sides of houses, gutters coming off the. It was. Yeah, we saw a full, full, like gigantic ash tree, like yeah. fucking six feet wide, laying on the street. Do you know those big orange barriers they use downtown to block off? streets or to use as a, a highway or to use as a walkway when the side when the sidewalks close, yeah. sometimes i'll put a walkway big huge orange barrels that they fill about halfway with water those were blown into the middle of the street while i was driving i went to go get bagels during the storm Fun. and uh i was driving and I drove by a car that was completely flipped over, which I was like, I don't know how that happened. And Katie was like, was it like a big truck or something like that? No, it was like a fucking Honda Civic. It was like a regular ass. It was the kind of car where if we were driving it and this wind was hitting, you'd be like, you don't got to worry about anything. Yeah. This fucking thing flipped. And uh, uh, everybody, I think, was okay because there was nobody in the car. They were all kind of standing outside of the car. But that fucking thing, seeing a car on its hood is a fucking humbling experience. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm driving, I'm like, all right, uh, I shouldn't be out here. I don't think I should be driving right now. The whole rest of the time I'm driving, I think my car is going to flip. It is hard to stay in your lane. It was that kind today. So fun day. Yeah. Once again, fuck the wind. I guess that's the always hated it. Always hate people in New York are panicking about this tornado. This is like their first tornado. Okay. And they're the most important place. So that's just the thing, you know? Let's well, take our calls, man. Let's 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 see who we got. It's time for calls. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? I just heard me. Okay. Am I on? Yeah, you're on. What's up? 
Hey, what's up, guys? This is, uh, oh, shit, hold on. Fucking, I had the TV go. Hey, what's up? This is, uh, hey, shit, hold on. North Carolina. How you guys? Uh, pretty good. How are you, Kyle? What's it like? Is it is it windy there? Yeah, it's been a weird week. It's been one of these weeks where, like, wind, but it just absolutely fucking poured rain one day. Like, the bottom completely fell out. And it was just flash floods all day. And the next day, it was like sunny and 75. Oh, yeah. I love it. Sunny and 75, though, is nice, though. If your house isn't flooded. It is nice. It's just weird. It's just, it, it feels like, you know, with this weird hellscape we've been living in for the last couple weeks since the election, it just feels appropriate that it would just be all hell breaking loose one day, followed by a nice day. And, right. And we'll have a nice week. And then... <laughs> it also seems so unfair for the weather to decide to go off when we're supposed to be staying home. <laughs> like, we're supposed to stay in our houses, and then the weather's like, I'm going to just go off, maybe knock a few houses down, you know? It's like, well, no, yeah, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just cost the family their fucking $2,000 deductible real quick by falling through their fucking roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God, man. Yeah, so what's going on? Yeah, man, it's just been... Oh, you know, just, you know, same, same old, same old. I think, I think we've all been dealing with the social media hellscape since, you know, two weeks ago and just been navigating that conversations with friends and family since then and trying to just navigate all of that. I'm sure you guys have been in similar positions. It's just been, it's weird, man. Like I was actually downtown in my town grabbing some ice cream with a friend and I hadn't checked the election results at all. And then like all of a sudden everyone just like, there's like a thousand people in downtown all of a sudden just like doing the electric slide and fucking throwing Biden Harris signs. Really? We didn't have any kind of, we, we didn't have huge celebrations. People just kind of drove down the main street honking their horn we're also in like a massive coronavirus surge so maybe people maybe the biden yeah. supporters i think biden supporters are a little more responsible about that stuff than than maybe if well, trump had yeah. won you know de- democrats are fucking terrified of covid like absolutely terrified of it and yeah. <clears throat> you know which i guess is kind of a good thing yeah it's, it's gonna you be know, good past the, past the later. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all that aside, I figured I'd call in with a, I called in a couple of weeks ago for the first time and shared a work story. I figured I'd call in with another kind of sort of work story thing. Sweet. What's up? So I used to, uh, I remember you guys had an episode, I, I guess it's been about a month or so ago at this point, And you talked about if there were any street fighters who like work sales job and I've actually worked a handful of sales jobs in the past one of them being selling cars oh um, no brett hates you but, the, but i would let brett apologize to you but he said he won't do it he's waving me off and saying no <laughs> this guy's a piece of shit and i won't talk to him it's sickening to me oh, the no. way he talked about you car salespeople. it made me mad look look <laughs> Look, man, but the thing is, is that I was a car seller. Uh, I was a car salesman. This was 2000, it was like 
the end of 2016. And like, I was definitely still just like a lib at that point and had not yet radicalized. So you have to forget, you have to forgive me for my sins of, 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 of car selling circa 2016. <laughs> how, how, uh, I mean, how is the, I want to ask how you get paid. What is the pay like in the car salesman world? Like what, 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 kind of paychecks were you bringing in like were you paid every two weeks or every week well it depends so like in in my in in north carolina there's like i swear to god man there's churches and car dealerships on every fucking corner like it, they're just everywhere and and it depends there's different companies that have like conglomerates where so the company i worked for probably had 30 or 40 30 or 40 dealerships between North Carolina and Virginia. So we were kind of corporate in a weird way. And we like had options for pay structures. Um, they, they would like start you out on this salary plus commission plan where they would pay you. <clears throat> if you were like a brand new guy, they would pay you $2,000 a month salary. Plus they'd give you a hundred dollars for every car you sold. Um, and that was like your starting condition. How many cars, how many cars do you sell in a week? It depends, right? So like, it depends on, it depends on, you know, are, are you in a heavy, heavily populated town or are you in a little, little podunk town? You know, like I was in kind of like a little podunk town that was sort of upper middle class suburban. So like, Our our top dealership would sell like 350 to 400 cars per month. So you know you break that down per week, fucking 400 Fords divided by four and a half. You know you do the math now, but they also have like 50 salesmen there just stepping on top of each other and cutting each other's throats to go and get those cars sold. Like that's the business model. You might be surprised, but that's what it feels like the salespeople are doing when you show up at a car dealership. <laughs> like oh, it feels no, like, trust me, look, dude, I, no, look, so we, we had a golf cart, right. And we just had, we had a golf cart and the older guys who worked there. Cause like I was, I was in my early twenties when I did that. And we had some older dudes who were in their like sixties and seventies out there selling cars and to get across the lot to like snipe people. I could just kind of, jog it out but yeah. these old dudes would fucking peel out in the golf cart like <laughs> like like i'm just gonna golf cart my way over to you and try to sell you this fucking sixty thousand dollar ford f-150 you know so you're probably uh, selling and it was hilarious. 20 you're you're maybe selling but what we did like 10 cars a week probably yeah well I, so our dealership would do like 90 to 100 cars um, we do like 90 to a hundred cars in a month. Okay. And I think we had, how many people did we have on staff? Like, I think we had like a dozen salesmen, you know? So we were, we were like one of the smaller dealerships in our like corporate conglomerate. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. And pretty much every fucking thing you've heard about car dealerships and car salesmen, it's like almost all true. Like 98% of what you heard is a fact you know like it truly is the business of ripping people off for profit that is literally what car dealerships do 110 percent. 
Like, so <laughs> the way it, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, well, what about the, what about like the pricing though? Is it made so that they can take the money off and get, get seal the deal? Cause they always do that. Got to talk to my manager yep. thing. Yes and no. So like new cars, we we didn't really make our money on new cars. We made our money on used cars. Mm. So like a new car, like like let's say someone wanted to come in and buy a a Primo Mustang GT, you know, souped up, all power, everything, leather seats, blah blah blah. That's like a forty three thousand dollar car, and like <clears throat> we would only mark it up two or three thousand dollars above the invoice price, which is like the quote unquote price that we bought it in for. Got it. Like on the books. And then, you know, we'd end up, we'd actually end up selling cars like that for below invoice. And then like, what happens is the, the dealership still makes this thing called like the admin fee. I don't know how many people have bought new cars and seen like an admin fee or like a service fee. It's basically just like a 600 to like $800 fee that dealerships tack on. That's just free money for them. Okay. Like it means nothing. It's just shit that they tack on. So like, even if your deal quote unquote loses a thousand dollars, the company still made $800 on the admin fee, but you probably spent eight hours of your day with some fucking 55 year old dick bag who was buying his second penis at the car dealership. And, and, and you made a hundred dollars on the deal and the dealership made thousands. It's insane. Um, yeah, that's really yeah, man. That it, doesn't it, sound like. I mean, it, that's so much work too. It's so much work. It's such a huge decision. I remember, like, it's and it's a really challenging thing for a lot of people. It's a huge, huge decision. It costs a lot of money. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm I mean, I'm hearing that like a hundred dollars a car. If you know, I don't know how many cars you can sell in a day. That's you what know? I'm trying to say. That's what I mean. If you're selling one car a day, yeah, at seven hundred bucks a week. That puts you at 27 every two. Well, that's if you work seven days a week. True. Um, That's true, too. So so I I would think every two weeks, you're probably making 1,500 bucks. This is my guess. That's... That's like if you're like on that's if you're on the like the salary plan. Ah. But then if you switch over if you switch over to the straight commission plan, oh, the no. thing is is that it's, Don't at do that, that point it's, it's what's called a fake. It well well no, no, that's where the money's made. So one of my coworkers, the guy who got me the job there, the reason that I started working there was because he showed me his fucking well, he didn't show me his check, but he was a trust he was a pretty trustworthy dude, at least for friends anyway. And he's like he's like my first month here, I made $14,000. And I was like, you're fucking kidding me. You didn't make $14,000. Yeah. And he's like, no, he's like, here's like, here's like, he's like, here's how I did it. And he broke it down. He's like, I sold this many cars. There were extra incentives given by Ford for selling these cars. There was a sales competition that I placed first in. Um, I I did, I won this contest and this contest. I I got referrals, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I cleared $14,000 after taxes this month. And I was like, uh, well, that sounds pretty good. You know, yeah, let me, let me get in on this. <laughs> yeah. You know, are you good considering that 14,000? Did you feel like hey, you what? were, did you feel good at sales? Like, did you feel like you were good at, at doing sales? So I, I was coming in off of a sales job that I was pretty good at, but I was more comfortable with that sales job. I got to this sales job. And it was just, okay. So here's the thing. Like I was, I think I was 23 years old and 
like when you're 23 years old and you sit down at a table with like a 75 year old man who's about to buy a 60 or $70,000 pickup truck from you. I literally had this old man tell me, he like cut me off mid explanation on something. And he was like, he was like, I have bought more cars in my life than you've sold this month. You know, like, <laughs> like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. You know, this is how this is going to go, buddy. So it, it's one of those things where like, in order to be an effect, like if you're good at sales elsewhere, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a good car salesman. In order to be a good car salesman, you have to learn how to tell people partial truths and be okay with it yeah. and tell people full on lies constantly and be okay with it. And also sell people shit that you know they can't afford, man. You see, you see people's full financial history. They, they fill out these credit applications. You yeah. see how much money they make. You, you see their credit score. You see their credit history. And like, I'll never forget, I sold this one guy a fucking car with an 18% interest rate for eight years. God, like, fucking that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unreal, dude. It's completely fucking unreal. That guy is still going to be paying that shit off years years from now. It'll break you know? down before it, he pays it, so it off. You have to, oh yeah, absolutely, well. because it's a part forward focus. But yeah, man, and like, and, and to top it off, like with my specific car dealership, it sucked because it was very fucking Jesusy. Like the owner, the owner of the conglomerate that I worked for was like this huge fucking Christian Republican type, and like. He had all these cheesy commercials on local television with him and his dog sitting by the fireplace like, this Christmas, we will be closed to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, <laughs> and we'll be reopening the following Monday to be back at your service in the community. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that also seems, like, though, that seems like there are two businesses that lend themselves to the super Christians, car dealership and trucking company owner. Because you're, you're, you drive on the freeway, every single, every third semi has a Bible verse on the back of it. It just, the, it, 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 it's so it, true. It's the two jobs. It's That's so the two true. most Christian jobs you could have, except for pastor and all, and it's the cars is just something that people are going to constantly be buying and selling and trading and it's, it has a you can make a lot of money doing it and then you also get oh, this yeah. you get this status you get this local status every city in this country has a famous car dealer that they know the the jingle yeah. or that comes on tv and gives proclamations or you know this is like i'm not going to try to tell you buy a car today i'm going to talk to you about something else you know like they're like they have a public forum yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god i mean well i think that like looking back on it you know in retrospect i know now that like car dealerships are the old like the production and sales of cars in America is the ultimate testament to U.S. capitalism. It's the ultimate fucking testament to capitalism. Like, you know, what's more fucking gritty than, you know, manufacturing American-made cars and then selling them to poor people that can hardly afford them, but then they have to fucking pay $400 a month for a fucking focus so they can get to and from their shitty job 
to pay for their focus. You know what I mean? And, like, then, and then like, what's said, more American and all that weird financing stuff where it's like, we actually sold it for less than it's worth, but we made money on it. Actually. The, the <laughs> thing about car dealerships that really make me crazy is when I go to buy a car, I tell them what I want to pay and they are dead set on making sure I pay 50 to a hundred dollars more than. Oh that. yeah. I think the next time I go, I'm yeah. telling them the, the, I'm telling them the $100 less price Yeah, because I, I fucking, the last guy that sold me a car. Now my grandpa was kind of a, a, a what's the ornery redneck guy, right? My, my, my grandpa yeah. Dick, yeah. they called him. But the guy that sold me my car reminded me of my grandpa Dick. So I was like, uh, oh, this guy's so sweet. I'm going to tell him the real price I want to pay and he'll be able to do it. And then he did not do that. He, yeah. he, he, he was not my grandpa yeah. Dick. I'll tell you that. And he was just kind of like, uh, uh, yeah. being real nice to my daughter and shit like that. And, and then got me to pay fucking $50 more than I said. I, I, I went in there and said, I want to pay $250 a month for my car. That's my dream. It's two hundred and fifty dollars a yeah. month for my car, and I'm paying three fifty right now, forever too yeah. for five yeah. years on a used car. Yeah, that's it's uh, it's insane, it's unreal. Um, I know I've been kind of rambling about it already, but just kind of some specifics of my job and like my dealership that I worked at. So I think that I think that literally everybody who worked there was a Trump supporter. Literally everyone. You know, like I, I, I worked there. Oh yeah, I I I was working there during the 2016 election. You know, like and then I was working there after Trump got elected. So like my general manager, who was making probably quarter million dollars a year, if not more, sitting at a desk at a car dealership, big fucking Trump guy. It was insane, man. Like I think the only person who wasn't was sales manager, who even though he wasn't a Trump supporter. He was, a, he was a psychopath. Let me tell you, I have never worked for anyone that was as fucking neurotic and just psychotic as the sales manager at the Ford dealership. Like he played crazy mind games on the employees and shit. Like I, I felt like I worked for goddamn Hannibal Lecter or some shit, man. It was fucking insane. And then he would go do that to customers, but like in a nice way. And then just close the deal on cars left and right. And I'm like, this isn't right. Like, this is immoral. This feels wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something about this doesn't feel right. But yeah, man, it was just like everybody was a Trump supporter. And they always get to these weird political conversations where it was like, you can imagine it's fucking small town, North Carolina, Trump supporter types. You know, they're all just completely, it, it, it was all, I was very disillusioned it, and it was just insane. Um, I'll never forget this one time that I was dealing with this old white dude. This guy was probably 80 fucking years old and he had come in a couple times. What are you buying like, a car at that age? Was looking at, what are you buying? A, what are you getting? Yeah, right. Why are you taking out a loan at 80 years old? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll well, probably do the same cash. thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was going to pay cash, but anyway, he comes in and like, I, I was kind of customers like to fucking, you know, they would drag you back and forth and I would in turn drag them back and forth. And that's just kind of the yin and yang of selling cars, I guess. But like, I was really struggling with this guy. So like one of my managers, Larry, who was a black dude came in and like, 
kind of introduced himself and he's like, you know, it looks like we're kind of taking, taking some time over here. Is there anything I can do to kind of help this process along? Larry was ready to fucking cut him a deal. And then the guy just got really quiet. And then Larry walks off at one point and then the old man, you know, starts being very racist and using (sighs) racial slurs and stuff about, (sighs) about my Larry, who, by the way, was my favorite of my managers there because he was a cool dude. (laughs) You know, so like, and then I and then I literally just like walked in and I told our GM I was like, "Hey, I'm not going to work with this old man because he's being a racist piece of shit. I personally don't want his money. Yeah, you know, like I'm not even interested in dealing with this guy." And then and then like the GM pulls me outside and like pulls you know the other manager Larry outside and he's like, "Let me get this straight. He's being racist." And I was like, "Yes, Mike. He just dropped the N word multiple times in conversation." He's like, but is he looking to buy a car today? You know, like it's just the most fucking, <laughs> yeah. you know, just just having to deal with. Are that we trying shit, to, we know? trying it's to just, end racism or sell cars here? <laughs> Let me check my to do list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. It it's unreal. It's fucking unreal. You know, and this same guy, I used to watch him out in the fucking parking lot. They would bring the drone out and do these local TV commercials. He'd be like, come on down to the Ford dealership this weekend. $14,995 off MSRP plus $500 Ford loyalty cash with a trade-in. You know, like, it's that same guy. Like, he's he's that guy. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's just fucking crazy to watch. And then, I'll never forget, there was a hurricane. There was a hurricane that was absolutely flooding. Like, eight feet of water flooding a town 30 minutes south of us. And we would go to him and say, hey, Mike, uh, this hurricane is literally flooding a town 30 minutes away. W- what's our plan today? He's like, well, this is great car selling. <laughs> <laughs> car- it's a mighty yeah, fine day uh, to sell a car. And, and, well, thanks for calling, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, we, we got other people on the yeah, line man. we got to get to. Thanks for calling, though. We really appreciate sure. it. Even after the mean stuff Brett yeah, said, yeah. it was brave of you to call in, actually. <laughs> yeah yeah no problem have a good night the guys we'll see you later yeah, yeah car, you car dealer i like it's it. such a i mean it is such a snaky job all the people that you can't find a decent one among them like i i, I mean yeah i would say that that line where he said uh uh was he trying to buy a car you know right. the, the racism line that is like what i think of when I think of car dealers. Right. And mostly, I think of that a lot of sales. Sales, all sales. trying to buy sales. cleaning products. Right. You know? Do you think you can earn their business despite the racism? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, people have to do that shit. Oh, all the time. The people most, the most successful ones do. And, the best sales people also, are like, oh, yeah, and then just start being racist along with them. But, dude, if you go through... <laughs> okay. If you go through the newspaper one ads, <laughs> okay, Brian, go ahead. If you go through the want ads in the newspaper, man, most of the jobs that pay any kind of money are sales jobs that you don't oh, no. need a degree for. Oh, absolutely, it's big money. It's very big money. There's a reason to do it. I mean, yeah, if you the old sale when I worked in sales, the old 50, 60 year old sales guys, because he's right, like. I'm no one wants to buy a car from a 23 year old. Mm-mm. I don't, and it's the same with houses too. Like, you don't, a realtor, a 25 year old realtor is like, I mean, I don't have, do you even know what a house 
have you ever like maintained one before? You know, like do you know even know what a house is? Yeah, you know you have, and so those seasoned old guys are just the best liars that there are in the world. Yeah, yeah, forty Half year old. Truth. You want you want to be at least thirty. You want to see at least a thirty year old doing real estate or any kind of sales. You know. All right, next call, Brian. Jeez, that wasn't me. Numbing beef. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, it's me. Hey, me. Wait a minute. Uh, this is Salem. I have a, a little bit of a cautionary tale today. Cool. What's about, up? Uh, trolling people online. Uh, oh, no. Particularly the chum. Okay. Uh, what a happened? Buddy of mine actually, a buddy of mine just had to deactivate his Facebook after uh, both his employer and his partner's employer started getting death threats after he... Uh, made the most obvious joke post of all time where he uh, said that he was a ballot count uh, ballot counter in a Michigan County and threw away every Trump ballot that he saw. Oh, no, thousands yeah. of them, tens of thousands of them. Yeah. The so, Randy G. Dubs. Uh, like immediately on, on public too. And he's a, uh, he's a pretty uh, notorious troll in the area too. So like people already like, follow him pretty extensively uh yeah jobs, so he, jobs like, don't like death threats I, I do know that about him like he, if i started getting death threat jason yeah. if you get some death threats sent to me i'm not going to be happy with you yeah well if, if you get death, no, threats, no. death threats sent to me i'm going to be not happy with you yeah you're already not happy with the smell in the room it's not bad thank you your shit doesn't stink <laughs> it does uh uh um yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I try not to troll as much as I used to. And when I do, I try to do it in like a, a, a lighthearted way so that even the people that are getting trolled, you know, they are like, I got to hand it to you. You got me there. I've had so yeah, many. Most of his are like fart jokes half the time anyway. So it's like he's, he's definitely well within the sphere of. Uh, absurdity like it's it's amazing that these people even continue to engage with them yeah i mean and, and also like what kind of a dumbass publicly posts that they're throwing ballots away how could there you can't do that yeah yeah that's effectively what i told so, them too i want to say i think it's going to be a learning experience for him but knowing him it's just going to embolden him further later on well it's an epic story try to be smarter about it it's a legendary story to tell it certainly is. I know, that, yeah. I know. <laughs> but I, uh, I know you guys have other callers, so I'm going to get out of here. Um, is it cool if I plug stuff real fast? Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. Well, I actually just started a podcast on my own last week. Um, our second episode should be coming out probably Tuesday or Wednesday. It's Rust Belt Radicals. Uh, we are based out of Michigan, just for working class diffs. Nice. Yeah, we love it. All right. Check it out, listeners. Have a good night, Salem. You too. Peace. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Jake played the game of Facebook posting goes wrong, you know. Yeah, Facebook's a tough place too, because like I the stuff that I get into is on Twitter usually, and that's yeah. a more it's it's a more sophisticated posters a lot of times on Twitter. Yeah. And like you know, most of the time I try to be funny about it, and then a lot of times they'll be like, ha ha, you okay. Yeah. You know, you got me. 
And that that's what you want to do. Trolling on Facebook is like, you know, that's your real name on there. That's your real family members that are friends with you. Yeah. And, and that's your real, you know, if there's your job and all that stuff is tied to that thing, man. And you don't want to fucking rile up some people because those alt-right people, man, they right. know how to use the internet. There's a bunch shit. of weird wannabe police on there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are willing to take that have nothing else going on uh, in their life. So they're going to take the time out to, to get you in trouble. Yeah. But death threats at work is, that's intense. That sucks. Yeah. All right. Next call. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hello. Now, did we lose somebody? Why? Yeah. Please. Let's resuscitate them. Oh, no. John Tesh moved just from Twitter to Parlor. Really? That, yeah. I have to go to John to Parlor to get all my John Tesh. If you want, now. if you want to read some John Tesh posts, you got to go to Parlor for that. <laughs> I'm on Parlor. I love it. Um, Phil Robertson, the Duck Dynasty dad, is on there, and he shared a meme that said, uh, "Come and take it," and it was a picture of a Thanksgiving turkey. I loved it. Yeah, I was telling you last night when you told me about that in the car that that the the uh, uh, the Chuds do think they're going to kick. Wait a minute. Hello. I thought there was a little fart in there. I thought somebody called the Hello. phone. Hello? Fart a little fart hey. Hey. Can you hear me? We can hear you, yep. Hey, how's it going? Pretty hey. good. I love you guys. Thank you. We Sorry. appreciate it. Uh, I wasn't trying to not talk to you. Uh, I just didn't hear you because you were turning stuff off. Oh, so. we were, we were uh, uh, just filling time, so it's okay. What's going on? You know, everything's going pretty good. Um, I'm just kind of drunk. So we get, we all get that way. Build that in mind, but that's kind of street fight radio, right? Yeah, but yeah. We, yeah. I enjoy drinking. But I don't, but Brett does, you know. So I, I like to be drunk. Yeah, yeah. No, Murder Brighton doesn't he, he drink. He doesn't drink. But. He doesn't. Murder Bryden is fucking sober. Yeah, no. uh, That's all cool. But I had a pretty cool day after I had a really bad breakup that y'all helped me through. And I talked about, like, last week. And I also have a dog that... Is being an asshole and, this you week, know, but Brett has a cat that's being an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's all cool for us to talk. Uh, well, we yeah. have to we have the proper paperwork. So I'll be on. Uh... Oh, sorry, not trying to talk over you. You're fine. But... It's okay, buddy. Yeah, so I figure it's cool because we can write it off as y'all doing your paperwork as my dog being a dumb person and then your dog cat. Yeah, I'm doing my paperwork right now. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, yeah, putting, I'm putting some notes yeah, in your yeah, calling yeah, account. Yeah, we're, we're mutually. Uh, Brett's cat is a. Brett's cat is a dumb person. I do agree with that. Brian's partying. No, I I just mutually agree with murder Brian a lot of the time. That makes sense. Well, thank you. Very disagreeable. Brett is a disagreeable human. Somebody's got to be the disagreeable one on the show. He's going to say something to hurt your feelings. But I also want to hug him most of the time. Yeah, that's so too, I just buddy. want to put that out there. Uh, it's perfect. I like when hugging you guys too. Get that out, like when you're touring again. I want to hug. Yeah, has has Matt hug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a huggable right. person. He is. He's hot, actually, compared to me, especially. Uh, yeah, I, I pick. I usually pick oh, people, everyone off their feet too. Brian, I. I want to hug you too, but not in a weird way. Cool. You're my buddy. <laughs> Good. I love that. I like having buddies, you know? Sorry. I I feel weird about everyone, and I think you understand, Brian. Brian yeah. feels weird about everyone. I just don't want to be mean to anyone. That's how I feel too. Or, uh, exactly. And you're all my friends, but I don't want to be mean or gross. That's cool. So, hey, that's how friends. I feel too. That's how I feel too. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, that's that's our goal. We we have a very long queue yeah, though, buddy. I can so shut we're going up at any point. Yeah, we're going to we're going to go. We we have a we have a long queue. Jason, it doesn't smell that bad. But we have a long queue. Yeah, so we'll I, talk I to you later, go pal. Away. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, I love you guys. Hugs. Love you too, buddy. Hugs. Have a good one. Mm, okay. With a good time. That was roll. real drunk. That yeah, was, that was. That was too drunk to call a radio show. That's, we almost shouldn't have enabled that. I can see why you would say that. I mean, that's a not remember it drunk I think that sounded like to me. That's one where you're like, I don't even know what I said. Yeah, that was sleeping outside drunk, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That was maybe sleeping in the bathroom drunk, <laughs> even. Or wherever you fall. Yeah. That's putting a pizza in the oven Oh, yeah. and then forgetting about it and then waking up the next day and it being like black. Waking up to a fire alarm. Yes. All yes. right. Uh, thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Yo, talk about a uh, tough act to follow. Um, yo, guys, it is B. Denny coming at you from Appalachia in the Tennessee Valley. I just uh, I called a couple months ago. Uh, I was talking about my experience with contact tracing. Oh, and yeah. uh, I just wanted to call back again and just uh, talk about a couple things with y'all. Go for it. Love it. So, um, yeah, so I just, uh, um, uh, yeah, so... Last time that we talked, I was doing a lot of contact tracing, and this was about in August. And since then, um, I have kind of uh, I stepped back from that just because, if you recall, I was volunteering at the time. And uh, I remember what you guys said about, like, you know, you really should be getting paid for that. And I was like, you know what? That's right. And I, I did my volunteer hours. I got my school credit. But then I was just like, you know, I, uh, 
it, it was like pretty hard on my mental health. So I took a step back and I've been feeling excellent since then. And so I'm really glad that I, uh, you know, took a step back from that. That's good. From yeah. Like, Cause it was pretty stressful. So, um, yeah. So just want to give you an update on that. So, uh, thank you all for that. Hey, um, hey, we'll always be there then, to tell you to quit anything well, you need. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you to quit yeah. before you even start. <laughs> we'll always be yeah. there. We'll always be there to say, hey, take some days. Yeah, you know, you need <laughs> some days off, you know? What about me time? Yeah. Hey, schedule some me time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're taking we're taking a, a, a good break for me and Brett. A me and Brett style break. Six days, right? You sure? That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to take six days Do off. That. Uh, for Thanksgiving, so you'll still get a, a show, though. There will be a show. Yes, it's your. There's there is a brand new show. You're gonna watch Who Moved My Cheese with us. It's gonna change the Street Fight universe. Oh, it will. Yeah, beautiful. But but yeah, <laughs> well, we're gonna really take. That you guys are doing that. Yeah, I mean, we have we don't take uh, our job so easy. We don't take time off, but it really is like people leftists in particular a lot of times because they volunteer and they do activism and and a lot of that stuff like they really don't take time off i i know i know leftist type people that fucking take vacations from work to do activism and it's like you know at some point you have to not be doing anything yeah like it's very important because it's because you care about the Yo, I'm sorry. You care about the mission so much and you don't want to like let anybody down. And so, um, you know, and then you can, it's so easy to like get caught up in like focusing on the mission or like, Oh, like I'm doing this activism. I'm helping people out. Yeah. Uh, you can get so caught up in that, that you don't really look at yourself and be like, Holy shit. Like I am not sleeping well. I am not eating well. And, uh, I really think that leftists really should take some time. I know it's like a cliche thing to say, but like, Honestly, like taking a step back from stuff, the, like saying no is a great thing. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I was, so, I, 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 I agree yeah. with you. It, and to me, it, I guess it kind of just looks like, like we don't take time off because, w- in my mind, I don't take time off because it feels too easy to do this. You know, so it's kind of like, yeah. We don't need to take days off because it's so such an easy thing, but we haven't had, I have podcast. I haven't had since 2018, was it? Or was that 19? We took the three weeks off last year. Okay. We took three weeks off last year, but uh, other than that, I've podcasted usually three to four times a week every week and it's like at some point you get you start to feel burnout and like a lot of people don't yeah. know the signs of being burnout out because it doesn't manifest as like oh i just don't want to go to work it, it it there's there's like a weird dread before no, you're about no, to do like the, anything you know you are you get a you get a stomach ache before you walk into work yeah. you are on the bus hoping that something else crashes into the bus yeah flings you off into the next life so yeah uh, yeah you're hoping it it, it, it does you're hoping you can cancel like for me it's like i hope the other person cancels because i i don't think you should cancel stuff but i hope the other person cancels is like a real prayer that i say to myself a lot of times when i'm supposed to do something you know (laughs) yeah oh i hope they cancel (laughs) eating a few spoonfuls of peanut butter for dinner over the sink yeah, yeah. So that's your fucking thing. 
Yeah, and it's well, so it's so I, uh, it, it, the other thing that also happens though when you burn out is like it affects every other part of your life. Like it 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 uh it kind of you become like really bummed out and you feel like there's nothing to look forward to because you know that at the end or for me it's at the end, but at the beginning of every day it involves going to work. So then the whole it, people that work for real, like back when I worked a real job, eight hours a day, like it really felt like, fuck, you know, I go to work in the morning and then I go home and I like prepare for work the next day. And then even on the weekends, I work all day Friday and then try to party. Saturday is the day that I get to do nothing which means i have to do a lot of stuff and then sunday i'm already having the nerves about monday and it was just like man oh, i need scary. yeah and there was just so much even when i would take a vacation a lot of times i would start to get the nerves earlier like on friday because it was like yeah. oh i gotta go back friday what if they fire me right when i come back yeah oh fuck yeah no so I was going to say the, the, the thing that really helped me out practice that really helped me like feel better and like do like, like make me feel like relatively normal again, or at least a, a semblance of good is, uh, smoking weed and going on my bicycle and just like listening to music and enjoying myself at the end of every day. And, uh, yeah. And that's kind of a bummer too, because it's just like my semester or I've got one more semester of, uh, grad school after this. I'm in my master's and, uh, yeah. And like, there's, you know, being at public health, it's like a lot of jobs, drug tests. And that is just like, I have no problem with quitting, but it's just like, fuck man. Like, uh, I want to smoke weed. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It's it's just, uh, I, um, yeah. So, but there's lots of people that find a way to do it. You're just going to have to have like a stronger willpower than any, any, and then the rest of us. Um, but I would say, I mean, I know lots of people in healthcare, uh, that are, are on the weed regularly. (laughs) They just know how to space. They know when the tests, they know when the tests are coming and they can stop for a month and then restart after the test. And I don't know. They have more willpower than me. Yeah. Well, there's also, (laughs) I, um, you can have synthetic piss. You can have uh, well, they a lot of times will do the hair though. Yeah, just take a Barbie doll's hair with you. You know, just here, here's here's hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean that. You know yeah, what's that's funny? Good, that's a good solution. You know what's funny about what you're saying though? When I quit the cable job, I I smoked weed all day every day for six months when I quit that job because I didn't have to do anything. There was well, when I, not when I quit, when I got injured and I was getting paid, I smoked weed all day, every day for like six months. And like felt this like real ease, like, uh, were you going on your long walks then? I know you like to go on long walks Were you, was that like a part of like what you were doing? No, that's chilling at home. That no, and that's like really what the problem ended up being with me is like if I sit and smoke weed all day, I'm gonna sit all day and smoke weed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not gonna do anything else. I, know, I might yeah. go to the movies, 
but like i found that if if i put if i smoke weed if i put a time on when i can smoke weed and it's usually like five o'clock lately you know where it's like i don't want to smoke i don't want any weed before five o'clock then i i tend to be a little bit more uh uh, responsible and use my time better yeah because you have something to look forward to and it's like okay if i just you know if i push through then it's just like i've got you know it's it's a treat it's a treat and um yeah so uh yeah those are all good practices um yeah, and so mostly uh, what I'm doing just to prepare for that is like uh, going on lots of runs while it's still nice outside, um, trying to drink a lot of water, and um, yeah, just I mean trying you know finish up strong on grad school. So um, good luck. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, thank you. I uh, just want to you know wish you all you know stay safe you know this holiday season and um, like I mean shit spiking as you know <laughs> so just you know be safe out there we um, are i want to give a shout out for oh yeah good um yeah i need i need y'all healthy as possible it's just <laughs> um, uh but, but trust me we're doing thanksgiving together and uh beautiful it's just us not just me and brett that would be odd but our families together <laughs> that would which be, is that a would bubble. Be so lovely no two people having you can't do two people if i was single <laughs> and brett was single we would not do Thanksgiving together because it would. If, I would. If you're actually. just like live streaming, if you're just live streaming you two eating a rotisserie chicken together, I mean, that that would be, you know. I think it would work. It, it could be an art movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've been yeah. playing games um, together anyway with our family. Like, we're all in together and uh, we're going to do a fancy uh thanksgiving dinner where i'm smoking a turkey breast for just for me because nobody else eats meat but uh i'm smoking a turkey mm-hmm. breast we might have caviar that is like our big redneck idea of like we're doing an upscale dinner so i said we gotta get fucking caviar so i think we're gonna get caviar nice I've never had it before. That's awesome. And what I want to do is I want to get the caviar. I want to eat it and say, it tastes like shit. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get that video. I imagine everybody. Yeah. My wife was talking about it and, and she was like, I wonder if I like it. I'm like, you're not going to like it. You don't like olives or anything yeah. like that. You don't like anything salty like that. It's closer to maybe I will like it and because I like like salty shit, you yeah. know? My wife might like yeah. it, but like your wife and my daughter would—they're gonna barf. They're yeah. gonna probably do that thing where you run in the yeah. bathroom I, and try to scrape your tongue off. You know, I would probably like it because I like anchovies on my pizza. Yeah, so because um, I hear it's pretty salty like that. So um, excited! It's it's yeah, exciting. I I, I've never had it though. I've never have either. I, it, the, the reason I, because I, I came up with the idea to do that because we had said we wanted to do like, we're really going to work hard to cook and make the food like really good and like elevated, as they say. And I said, we should get fucking caviar. And Brett was like, let's get caviar. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, nice. And it, it, we both, we both <laughs> decided to do it, but. I don't think any of us are going to like it. I, I think what's going to be pretty good. What I think is you've had it. No, I no, but I bet it's pretty good. Yeah. I think we're all going to be like for the, the caviar tastes like shit. Rich people are dumb. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to be sneaking cans. Yeah. Of it. 
I'm going to be ordering it and having like a secret stash so that my family doesn't know I spent $80 on another tin of caviar. Yeah, when I started looking at the prices, I because you know. said beluga <laughs> yeah. is the stuff, right? And I was like, well, well let's just get some beluga. What's it going to cost? Like a hundred bucks for a little tin? And then I googled it as oh. twenty five hundred dollars for a small tin, and I was like, mm, nope, we're not getting that. Have you ever heard of like Sir Stromig? It's like that. I don't think I'm saying it right, but it's that fermented Swedish fish that like. like oh, I've heard of, like, of expands it. Expands the can. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that's like the smelliest food in the world, but like they eat, like some people eat it. It's like an acquired taste. I don't know if y'all have had it before, but I've, I've heard it's pretty legendary. No, I really, Brett has had, Brett really liked Malort. So we probably could order some pretty gross shit for Brett to eat. And if he ate it, he'd say it was good. Yeah, I like, I like gross taste. That's the thing about, that's the way, the way Brett describes it is the same way I describe how I like movies. Yeah, it's like I like really bad movies. I like movies that have bad plots, that have bad writing and bad acting. Like that's that's my shit. That's what I'm into. I'm specifically, yeah. I like big budget blockbusters that go wrong and aren't very good. And Brett, world and yeah, I've never even watched that. But Brett uh, uh, has said to me multiple times, like, I like stuff that tastes like shit, you know, not like actual shit, but he <laughs> likes stuff that tastes gross. He liked when he drank Malort, he said uh, he kept drinking it. Like he took more and more and more and more shots of it. And people were like, you think this is good? And he was like, no, I just, <laughs> it's interesting. I like interesting experiences. Like, what? They're just like, what planet are you from? And they're just, like impressed but a little scared too i'm sure yeah well i'm gonna look up that uh, fish stuff maybe well, maybe we'll have to i'm not trying it but you know brett brett might be willing well, to do it yeah i mean that'd be cool i'd love to hear your review of it um yeah before i want i'm i gotta head out pretty soon but i just wanted to say uh i'm, I'm probably gonna post the link to my community bail fund in the group chat so everybody just take a look at that it's a great organization uh, it's called Caleb. Um, and then, uh, let's see, number two. Um, let's see, I want to give a shout out to you, Brian, and your Shocktober podcast. I just listened to the Don Imus episode. <laughs> I've got to say, it was amazing. And uh, yeah, it's just to two hours of pure entertainment. And I, I hate Don Imus. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> we all hate Don Imus. I mean, that's that's a real main thing. Yeah, uh, um you know, if the wrap up just went up and you'll get to hear a little bit of a, uh, you'll get to hear the Clark Kent call again. That's, that's the winner of shittiest bit I've ever done on Shocktober. Well, pharmacist oh, still the shittiest, but that Clark Kent call is one of the worst things I've ever listened to. It was just, it was a shameful phony phone call. Yes. Shameful. I like that you say phony phone call. So, that's the that's the way I like to say it too. So you've listened to some shock jocks, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Because only somebody that listened to radio would call it a phony phone call. You know? Yeah. Like they call them phone <laughs> pranks or phone scams, but she, but like Howard Stern's like, hey, we got some phony phone calls coming up. And it's like <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, thanks for calling. It's a weird phrase. Yeah, it is. It's weird. Thanks for calling in, though. We really appreciate it. It was fun. This stuff that he was talking about is $50 for a can. What is it? It's called uh, Surstroming Traditional Sweet. It's rotten fish. Yum. Uh, here it is. I'll read it to you. It is a fermented Baltic sea herring found in the North Sea. And uh, the it's herring... Yeah, it's fermented. Just, it's just a fermented okay. fish. Uh, just enough salt is used to prevent the raw herring from rotting while allowing it to ferment. A fermentation pro- process of at least six months gives the kit fish its characteristic strong swe- smell and somewhat acidic taste. According to a Japanese study, a newly opened can of Sir Stroming has one of the most putrid foods, food smells in the world, <laughs> even stronger than similarly fermented fish dishes, dishes such as Korean Hongdo or Japanese Kusaya. Okay. Uh, the king of the heinous fish. It is. It looks really bad in an open can. And uh, uh, it's expensive, though. It's like, it, I, I guess it is a delicacy because it is, uh, it costs uh, like $85 or $50 for a can of it. You want to know how I found it? I, wow. re- I said gross, smelly fish from Sweden. That's what I Googled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just looks like little fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's not. Yeah, I can see why it, that. It doesn't look appealing. It seems like something you wouldn't. Yeah, there's would, no way you I could enjoy I'm that. I'm never and, into that. I'm I'm more a fancy boy. Yeah, I would ra- I would rather them just like pull it off a line and throw it on a grill. But this is a fancy. Yeah, it it, is. this is fancy. People fancy. eat it as a delicacy. It's a delicacy. You're right. We should just become a delicacy show where we eat delicacies and say they taste like garbage shit. That's a great idea. (laughs) We'll get shark fin soup. Yeah, 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 yeah. Haven't you had that? No. No No way. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. I've had none. I've had... I've had... Snails. I had escargot. Okay. Loved it. Loved it. Oh, really? Good. I like oysters, which isn't like a big... Yeah. Heavy or mussels. I like any of those shelled mussels. Yeah. I like all that stuff, but I don't like any, uh, uh, I don't really eat fish uh-huh. at all, except for I'll, I'll, caviar. I'll do a tuna steak and caviar only because I'm trying it because it feels like something you should try. I like you know? every rich person. What? Every successful person should have cap- has caviar at their Thanksgiving, probably. You think so? Oh, yeah. They might actually just have a little bit there a little for Thanksgiving. Tin, just a little pinch, you know? Yeah. We get those. I, I, I can get you this. There's an $85 sampler caviar thing that comes with three of the bone spoons. <laughs> yeah, the spoons are the cool. three tins of it. Because you're not supposed to eat it off a metal spoon. Yeah, I know. I know. You got to have the little special spoon. Me and you just fucking <laughs> scooping it out with a plastic <laughs> spoon. I'll send you the link I had because that seems like the deal. We can go in half on it. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Well, now we've talked about it on the show. Yeah, we have. Yeah, now it's a business write-off. We record a video. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. To, I mean, you know, you got to do it. It's c- content. You got to spend money on caviar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, content's expensive, man. It costs a lot to produce content. That's why, you know, putting stuff out is pricey. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, this is uh, Brandon from Baltimore. What's up? 
What's up, Brandon? How you doing tonight? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm calling in. Uh, my neighbor was kind enough to sort of bully, chat room bully Brett into shouting out my book a couple of days ago. So oh, oh yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks for calling in. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, having me on the show for a sec. Yeah, um, it was. Um, I was in the Instagram <laughs> and. I was doing Instagram live and showed the street fight bookshelf and your book. I got a monster was there and multiple people were like, Hey, I know that guy. Hey, he's awesome. His dog is cool. Somebody <laughs> said your dog was cool. Do you have a cool dog? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do. Yeah. That's really nice. That's like such Baltimore stuff where, you know, like a bunch of people show up for, for someone like me. Yeah. I got a kind of giant dog. So people see me around one or around uh, my neighbor. Oh, that's very nice. Just, Show off the book too. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Murder Biden, as that one guy called you. Oh, uh, Bryden. Bryden. Murder Biden. Oh, Bryden. We sorry. can't say that on yeah. the show anymore. It's against the law. Oh shit! I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're probably scanning for that phrase. <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um. So you wrote about the Baltimore, it's called I Got a Monster, the Rise and Fall of America's Most Corrupt Police Squad, which is the Baltimore Police Department. I know that flag from anywhere. It's the craziest <laughs> one. Uh, so uh, what is, uh, obviously, the, it's about the rise and fall of the Baltimore Police Department, but what is it about? I mean, this, first of all, I want to go into this by saying, like, this is a police department that that uh, uh, has kind of been immortalized in The Wire. Be, like, that whole show's about it. Also so, killed Freddie Gray on the way to the prison. Yeah, they killed Freddie Gray on yeah. the way to the prison. Yeah, so the book is specifically about um, these seven cops that are part of this, like, plainclothes uh, squad of cops. You know, like, plainclothes. Like, guys aren't wearing uniforms or wear, like, the vests and Oakleys and drive around in unmarked cars. Anyway, these seven dudes were... Uh, indicted by the feds in uh, 2017 for dealing drugs, stealing from drug dealers, stealing their cash, planting guns, a lot of things like that. And um, I had been writing about one of these cops, along with my co-writer on the book, Baynard, for a couple of years. And then it turned out that this cop was part of this bigger, way crazier cop conspiracy. And so the book's sort of about the last year of these insane cops and all the crazy shit they did. Um, but I hope it kind of is a stand in for a lot of police departments because I don't think there's some crazy stuff in the book. But the, the, the basis of the book is exactly what police everywhere are doing, which is, you know, running up on people, violating uh, Fourth Amendment rights. Uh, and in some ways in this book, Second Amendment rights are constantly rolling up on people and searching them for guns and stuff like that. It's really about the last year where they, uh, you know, three of them were dealing drugs to different people. Um, they're all kind of constantly robbing people on a nightly basis. And it details that. And then it also kind of deals with um, the fallout of these cops, which is uh, sort of thousands and thousands of people that were put jammed up in the prisons because of these dirty cops sort of slowly but steadily, some of them getting out. Wow. And, and so how, how did they get caught? And, and just also, yeah, to add, I mean, this sounds like L.A. had one of these like inner office hit gangs. And uh, Baltimore is not like the you know the biggest city in the country, so I'm I'm sure this is happening in in plenty of other places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's actually we were joking about the rise of America's most corrupt police squad because obviously, kind of mean United States of America because I'm sure the 
Global South is having some other, has worse police squads. But then also since the book has come out, there's the LA, there's LA sheriffs that are basically a gang. And that's sort of what these dudes were charged with, which is what it really excited me about the book is because like, you know, if you know why the problem, there are problems with police or why we just shouldn't have police, you understand it's because they operate like a gang. And this was kind of funny because it's like the federal government indicting these dudes and saying, hey, these police are acting like a gang. And, you know, like a gang, like a conspiracy, like what you would charge, you know, uh, suppose like a mafia or a gang of drug dealers for they need like an enterprise, a criminal enterprise. And what's kind of uh, cool about the story is that the Fed framed the Baltimore Police Department as the criminal enterprise. And there's a conspiracy within it. And the way they got caught was kind of typical uh, drug war shit, though, because um, one of the cops was helping a bunch of heroin dealers deal heroin. They, the, the feds were investigating the heroin dealers, mostly because they were dealing dope to like white folks that were coming in from the county. And so they started investigating these dr- black drug dealers. And then they heard on one of the lines them talking to a cop who was giving them information about how to take a tracker off their car. So then the investigation got bigger and involved these involved dirty cops, but it started as a drug investigation, like a lot of stuff does, and the feds kind of fell into it and then got some bugs and some wiretaps on these cops and heard some really crazy stuff, like causing car accidents and not helping, um, constantly planning robberies and things like that. And yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy story, but I always try to stress again, like it's exceptionally dirty cops and it kind of makes in a way like I think The Wire is kind of in some ways it's a masterful show, but it's kind of too kind to the police department. And this kind of story really undoes any myth you might have that police are in any way trying to help or shouldn't be, you know, completely disbanded immediately. Well, and it's so easy for somebody to come in and do and use those rules to their own benefit. I mean, shit, as soon as I got keys uh, at my cash register jobs, I used them for my own gain. And when the cops are able to act without impunity and it's blue lives matter, no matter what, like you're, they're going to take advantage of that. You know, uh, we Columbus has a horrible police force that makes sets all kinds of records for badness. And there was a recent article about, you know, the chief literally, you know, using the N word and calling black officers monkey and shit. And so it, it's like everywhere you go, we find evidence of this. We ju- it's just, we can't convince, I don't know how we convince everybody that what is happening is real because, you know, it's, it's, it seems like fiction. It seems like you said the wire to a lot of us is like, oh, that's just entertainment. But the, the real stuff that's happening is terrifying and it's, it's ruining people's lives. You know, thousands of people that got set up by these police because of their, their fucked up, uh, way of doing things. Yeah. And like the fact that you mentioned Freddie Gray, which I really appreciate, you know, for listeners that maybe don't remember well in uh, April of 2015, uh, a young black man named Freddie Gray was chased by Baltimore police, thrown into a police van, suffered an injury that he later died from and kind of kicked off in Baltimore an uprising less than a year after Ferguson. So kind of a really powerful moment. Um, and what these cops did, which I think is where the sort of what I've been yelling about to uh, a lot of people lately is what these cops really used is that moment of uprising to sort of take control and, uh, and punish the citizens for uprising. Like this idea was like, okay, uh, you know, the CVS in Baltimore burned and the, we got to get, get, a, get a hold of the people in this city. And it really allowed these cops to 
run wilder and arrest people and violate more people's rights than a lot of people in charge to look the other way. Cause it's this kind of idea that I think we're seeing a lot. And a lot of these kind of like Vox or Atlantic bros, they're talking about all these concerns about defunding the police and how it's, oh, it's such a problem, but like the, and how reform is the answer. But like Baltimore was absolutely obsessed with reform after Freddie Gray's death. The DOJ was here investigating uh, the police and all these things. And it didn't lead anywhere in part because the cops use these like really basic reforms like body cameras, or I don't know, maybe they, uh, you know, should, uh, should, we should be able to see their internal affairs solved. They really use that to act uh, really embattled and sort of claim, oh, you know, if we got to, we got to police this way. We just can't police. And then what you see is people arguing this stuff like, oh, you know, we can't upset the police too much. Like we have to treat these guys with like kid gloves. And what I try to show in the book is how, they may, the department all may have been whining about, oh, now we have to, you know, police constitutionally, but they really use this to, um, you know, it scares politicians when the citizenry starts saying, like, we need to change the police. And they kind of use that and leverage it against the city to really do a lot of terrible stuff and dodge reforms. I mean, some of the stuff you see in the book is like, which I, and I bring this up because Obviously, I'm trying to promote a book here, but also because it's like really what policing is doing, where you use body cameras against people. You use they would fake body camera footage. So then it was like they were using the tools of reform to further rob people and things like there's a lot of stories like that. And they and they were using also this sense that um, we need to sort of make sure the city doesn't look bad. It doesn't become the burning CVS. Maybe all y'all remember in Baltimore. We don't want that to happen again. If that means sending like meathead cops into communities and arresting everybody, then so be it. And if they happen to be robbing everybody while they're arresting them, well, we'll just look the other way. And that's what these cops did, especially in this time period. But they have been doing it for almost a decade at this point. Um, it's a really, it's really a good example to me. Like it's a really good case study on like what happens when we like cater to cops like this. I mean, something I've really been saying lately is like cops are basically a special interest group and whether it's, and Joe Biden, I think, especially seems to misunderstand that and still think cops are like public servants the way like garbage men are. And Trump sort of masterfully understood that this was just like a special interest group. Give them what they want to do. Let them do whatever they want and tell them what they want to hear. And Biden still, I think, has this illusion that you can sort of talk to the police right. and reform them from within. They really want to do a good job, but yeah, they like don't. They want to rob people. They want to violate your rights. Yeah, I mean, it, it attracts a certain personality, and that's not somebody that wants to walk up and down the street and whistling while they hold a baton, you know, to ch to chase after anybody that tries to nick a piece of candy, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's like a thing that's really funny to me in a really frustrating way is like whether it's liberals or whoever sort of saying, hey, you know, we need to give police more money to do a better job, and it's like, you're – what – what people think of as policing as nothing like his vision of some cop it's like hey kid your your cat's stuck in the tree i'll climb and get it like no if you give cops money they spend it on gear and they spend it on stuff to surveil you and they spend it on more yeah. sort of plain cops or jump out boys like knockers that are going to like terrorize communities especially in baltimore black communities that's always what they're going to use their money for they're going to use it to to i don't know They'll do these sensitivity training kind of games to shut politicians up, but there's no there's no interest in reform. If Baltimore couldn't sort of do this and in fact had a criminal conspiracy operating within its department in the aftermath of Freddie Gray, I find it really hard to imagine other departments or have that reform is in any way a possibility.
like I'm looking at Columbus, Ohio, and I guess y'all spend about 361 million bucks a year on your police department. It's almost 40 percent of your city's budget. Like that shit's insane. Like in Baltimore, we spend it's a 550 million a year police department. Like we're just dumping all these this money into departments for no reason, and then they don't. They just spend that money to arrest people and and shoot them. It's it's completely nuts. They don't even really get. They don't. <clears throat> nothing happens. I mean, it's hard for, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that's like not get letting them off the hook, but like when they fuck up, which I don't believe is fuck up. You brought up dr- jump, jump out boys, right? Is that the right yeah. term? Yeah. They killed. Yeah. They killed. They, we had a big thing. Henry here. Green. Henry Green. We had a big thing here. Henry Green's name is still written on a lot of the stuff from the summer. Like, like we've been fighting to get that policing program stopped since fuck dude it's like three or four years now and they haven't done anything they expect the democratic mayor of columbus expanded it to like a year-round program so like even when they fuck up it doesn't affect them at all they did nothing Nothing happens to them ever. They are a totally unaccountable group of people, and they're the only totally unaccountable group of people in the street. Yeah, I mean, like, I've really realized, like, in reporting the book out more, like, or fe- having the feeling I have a little authority and not just another anarchist yelling about this, but doing the reporting at least and being like, I realize, like, crime is really good for cops. Like it's great for them. It's how they get more money. Somehow inexplicably, if there's more crime in your city, the cops say, Hey, we need more money to stop it. You're never like, so we give you 40% of our budget. You still can't like do anything about it. Right. Maybe y'all are the problem. Like it's never seen that way. They, oh, they, it's good. And then what they get to do, um, which you saw, I see in Baltimore too, is you get to be like, look, we understand our department had some problems, you know, and they kind of make these gestures towards adjusting plain clothes units like the jump out boys but then they really then use that moment where they finally for once in their life get caught um you know for uh for you know uh they get caught for doing something wrong they kind of use that and twist it and be like oh we learned from that and now we're going to do it totally different but then they don't do anything different and the main argument they do is they say they need more money like that's always what it comes down to is give them more money give them more cops and then they'll do a better job and then they never do they really extort the population and they leverage violence. Like that's the biggest thing you see this in cities now where like, if these people are going to be out in the streets protesting, we'll just stop doing our job. And it's like, well, okay, great. Please stop doing your job, sit in your car all day. There's just, there's also no evidence that when cops slow down, they, that affects crime either because cops don't have any actual effect on crime. There's no, not a lot of evidence that cops, you know, actually stop crime ever. Yeah, and and like you said, the money we give them goes to proactive policing, which just means they get more hours to go harass people or more advanced gear to target black communities. You know, they could go to the suburbs and and get all the drugs that they want, but that's not what they're looking for. That's not the results that anybody wants. Uh, so they end up just they end up just patrolling these these specific neighborhoods and and hoping that the crime comes back so that they can do it again tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And then, and what you see too in Baltimore is kind of another way this reform, this like liberal reform has happened that I imagine is happening in other cities. There to be all this talk about like, oh, we need to stop the war on drugs. And then what Baltimore sort of did with its police department and what this, this 
squad that I write about because they're gun cops is they just shift it to a war on guns, which at first you're like, okay, well, guns harm people in a way that drugs don't. That sounds good. But then you realize like they just use guns to do all the same stuff to people they were used to do with drugs. Like you can't really, you can't really extract that from these plainclothes units. Their job, as you said, proactive policing is to find crime and look for crime. They don't answer calls. They don't work to solve homicides. They don't get cats out of, you know, trees. If yeah. you want to even believe that we should have cops to do that, these cops don't do that. They just throw people up against the wall and, and search them and harass them and often rob them and steal from them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for calling in, man. I appreciate it. Uh, that's Brandon Soderberg. He wrote, I got a monster, the rise and fall of America's most corrupt police squad. And uh, you, you should get it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. I got a monster. I thought, okay, I got it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got a monster. I got a monster. All right. Have a good night. All Peace. right. Uh, we're going to take a break. Yeah, let's take a break. I think. And then we're going to come back and we're going to wrap up the show. Tonight. Well, not wrap it up. We're going to take the rest of the calls. We got a good uh, music from a listener that I love. Uh, that I'm glad to see is doing better. That sent a message. This is uh, the band It's Embarrassing. You can find them at itsembarrassing.bandcamp.com. Uh, this album is called Tough Guy. And we'll be back. We're Street Fight. Peace. All right, guys. <laughs> everybody welcome back to street fight radio hope you enjoyed the music that was it's embarrassing you can find them at it's embarrassing.bandcamp.com the album is called tough guy their listeners uh been to our show a couple times really good energy lots of fun i bet they do a killer show so follow them on bandcamp send them some love and buy their stuff let's get this next call well let's wait for brian uh Street Fight Radio right now, we are working on a couple of zines. We've got the activism zine and the alcohol zine pretty much ready to go. If you're a writer or artist and you want to do submissions for the zine, head to streetfightradio.com. At the top, there is a link that says zine submission. Right now, we're looking to put together the going, no, being an outsider and staying inside. Two separate zines. So if you're an outsider or if you stay inside, Tell us what you want to do. Uh, we'll look at the pitch and get back to you. And if you want to read the zine, head to streetfightradio.com. No, head to patreon.com slash streetfightradio. You can get digital copies of the zine for a $3 a month subscription. Uh, or uh, you can get everything we do digitally for $8 a month. That's the video, the audio, and the zine for $8 a month. Uh, you ready to take these calls, Brian? Yep. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? 
Uh, hello. How are you guys doing? Great. How are you? Great, great. This is Theo from Minneapolis, the Sears General of the Shadow Nation. Oh, okay. Wow. What's up, Theo? I uh, just wanted to give you a little report on Minneapolis since, you know, all this hubbub started. Yeah, sure. What's going on? Well, see, I live in northeast Minneapolis, right next to the police union, across the freeway from the pedestrian bridge. And the thing that's really interesting to me is that everybody's taking a knee in front of the police union when you can just go around the back and the gate's not even locked. It's weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> good info. <laughs> like, it's very weird. But I also wanted to talk, I know it was past Halloween, but I wanted to mention the most crazy secret occult thing in Minnesota that I've ever seen. Hopefully the anti-fascist super soldiers just think and take note. Okay. Okay. What is it? Okay, so I was in a mental hospital locked down, and then I got sent to this rehab, Botaire, in Olatana, Minnesota. They sent me back to the hospital, but then the hospital let me go because they're like, they're not crazy. So I'm so fed up at this point of being like carted around, I just walk directly into Owatonna, Minnesota. I meet up with this lady. She wants to bang and hang out and chill. She's way cool. Anyways, fast forward. I'm hanging out with her for two days. I'm walking back to her house with her, and out of the shadows come seven people in a V formation wearing complete black hoods, really, really pointy, like this was super KKK pointy shit, walking in complete darkness, and then they jumped into a sewer. And I swear to gosh, I saw that. Isn't that trippy? Yeah, yeah. that is definitely weird. Maybe you saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sounds like the Foot Clan. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I'm Raphael when it comes to that, dude. That was like... I actually cracked a joke when I saw him. I was like, Napoleon does not bow to men in robes. And they <laughs> chuckled. So that's, kind okay. of that's <laughs> wild. I don't know. I mean, I it's, used to you know, go down in no the sewer when I was a kid. I used to go down in the sewer sometimes yeah. when I was a kid. So maybe it was some kids playing in the sewers. Well, no, exactly. I, I found out later that there's actually a fraternal order of garbage workers that like have this little statue of this like black pointed thing. So I don't know. Oh, trippy, dude. Yeah, that is weird. But yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, Midwest unity. Uh, I love the show. I listen to you guys all the time while I'm working in my truck. It's nice to hear some, uh, a breath of fresh air. Oh, thank you. We appreciate it. It's nice to hear from you too. It's nice to hear from, uh, uh, uh somebody from the shadow realm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I was looking before I uh, got on the phone with you guys. There are no Indian reservations in Ohio. Is that correct? I don't know for sure, but I mean, there were never casinos here until they legalized them for anybody to have. I don't think there are any reservations here at all. I'm, I'm fairly certain of that. Because I've never heard of yeah, them I being. I always found it odd when people talked about going to reservations when uh, I was growing up because I just I had no idea that they, you know, I, I, I can't conceptualize even what they are, or what they look like. So, no, for sure, we don't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Shawnee are from Ohio. Yes. I did a Google search. So, you know what they tell me, you know? Yes, they are. They so are. That's cool. We have like these mounds so here. 
uh, uh, I don't know who who did them, but there are there are these mounds that everybody's parents takes them to when they're growing up to see the mounds. Interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, in Minnesota, there's a lot of there's a large Lahota tradition because, of course, there was the quote unquote Sioux, which is kind of a bad word, the Sioux uprising, which is which is very much informed Minnesota politics post. Uh, twenty post nineteenth century. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys ever hear about that? The Great Two Uprising? No, no idea. We're we're really bad when it comes to <laughs> history. Believe me. Cool. Well, you know, listeners, just Google that shit. It's pretty interesting. People have just had enough, and it's a huge war here. A huge war. Sweet. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. But yeah. Yeah, I just I just got out of the psych ward like four days ago, so I'm just trying to deal with the trauma. It's pretty hard. Yeah, I find it very. Um, I, I like that you guys. Who who's on Abilify? Is that Brett or is that? That's uh, me. That's Brian. Who said that? Brian. Brian, you like it? I can't tell really. I mean, I did at first, but then I don't know. I mean, I feel like I am in a better mood, so. That yeah. has Did helped. It give you tremors? No, it doesn't. Uh, it gave me untremors. Yeah. I'm more of a Zyprexa and Lunesta guy. Those are my kind of combinations for um, mental security, if you will. I'm on Sertraline uh, uh, and uh, Abilify and Saraquil and uh, that's all of them, I think. Oh, uh, Gabba Pen. That's not bad. Oh yeah, Gavin's nice. Yeah, well, it helps me sleep. The psychotics are a lot better than like Thorazine and Haldol. That shit was nuts. Yeah, I got to call in sometime and read you like this. Is what the doctors wrote about me? Apparently, I have antisocial disorder now. Sounds <laughs> pretty tight. Sounds pretty punk rock. You know, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it is something that people would brag about at times. You know, <laughs> but i mean to yeah. to get out of so, going to things and stuff but yeah yeah i mean well good luck uh healing hey, from from your time luck, that's I, I uh keep listening hell yeah and you know thank you just listen to you guys and we, we 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 we're all about it yeah hell yeah that's great well thanks for calling in all right guys have a, have a good night have a good night do you say christian anarchists i think so oh wow we don't, I don't ever feel like, cause I'm always like, well, I did holy boys and you know, I always feel like I, uh, uh, I go too hard on right. them sometimes. So yeah. it's good to hear that people don't get mad. I guess it's the same thing as the troops too. We have a lot of troops that listen to the show and we, we sometimes go off on them a little bit. So right. yeah, that's, uh, that's nice. I think the ones that can, the ones that can hear through that know what's going on. Yeah. Take I a always, joke. I think I'm, I mean, there's times also, not that I, I'm in any really group, but there's times that I get made fun of on stuff from people that I like on shows, and it's like, that's fine. I don't, it doesn't bother. I, I'm like, I'm an adult listener. I don't, th- I'm not looking to you to tell me how the world is. I'm looking to just have entertainment, you know? Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same place. People make fun of a lot of stuff that I'm into, and yeah. I'm just like, eh, it's fine, yeah. you know? All Whatever. right. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Is this uh, me? Yep, yeah. this is you. Hey, it's, it's uh, Gerard. I'm also from Minneapolis here. 
Oh, what's up, Gerard? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's been I've been listening to you guys for a couple years, and uh, wow, cool to be on here. Um, I got uh, two stories. Uh, I don't need to tell them both, so pick them. Pick one of the other. I got a work story or a dare story. Mm, man, that's a real. That's a tough choice to make. Maybe we'll do both. I was gonna. I feel like it's been a while since I've heard a dare story, so I kind of want to tell the dare story. Let's hear this dare story. All right, here we go. Um, it's not technically dare, but um, I was. So this is. Uh, it was sophomore year of high school. We have a, a health class. And uh, because it's health class, of course, we had to say, let's bring the, uh, the school cop in to teach the drug unit because he was obviously extremely qualified. Th- they're not. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it is ridiculous. Cops are the least qualified like, to do that job, I think. I can't think of anybody that knows less about drugs than a cop. Maybe a child, but yeah. As, well, I was a child, and as will become apparent, I knew more about drugs than this man. Okay. <laughs> um, but so so it was like our, our health teacher was this old, old, old man who liked to make jokes about beating people up by the flagpole. Okay. And uh, so the drug part of the health class came around and he was like, yo, we're bringing in the school cop. Okay. The school cop, uh, I just, there's so many anecdotes. He made, uh, he was telling us about how dangerous acid was. Okay. And um, he said, he said, if if you eat some acid, like they come on little blotter papers and you will turn into what's on the little blotter paper. And so if there's a school bus on there, you're going to start freaking out <laughs> and thinking you're a school bus going down the highway. Then <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I had eaten acid at this point and I was like, that sounds, that sounds all right. <laughs> Right, he starts telling you. Kind of fun. Sounds better. Yeah, sounds but, but, better than your experience. Yeah, no, I was like, yo, what I ate was a blank white little tab, and I just kind of experienced some nothingness. So I guess. <laughs> yeah, Checks that's out. how that's how I felt when they taught us about LSD in eighth grade because they they refresh your drug knowledge through your time in high school. They usually give it to you in third or fourth grade, then fifth or sixth right. grade, then eighth and ninth grade, and then sometime around, you know, 11th and 12th grade. And I remember being in eighth grade, I'd already done acid and they were telling me what acid did. And I was like, that ain't what acid does. Like, I just wanted to raise my right. hand yeah. and be like, that isn't what it does. It doesn't feel that way. Right. I tried to not be I tried to not be that guy. I was like, "Hey, you shouldn't. You shouldn't tell the cop right now." Right. But he is wrong. <laughs> yeah, because that's that. That's a funny thing that you said about the school bus thing. Is they do sometimes the way they describe acid is like an experience that is impossible for a person to have. You know, like you're never gonna think you're a school bus. There isn't a drug to take that'll make you think you're a school bus driving down the road. 
If, if there was one, I would like to try that. I would but. try it. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> doing school bus. Yeah, man, we're taking some school bus tonight. It's going to be noise. <laughs> People just walking down the road and stopping at the corners and stuff. Yeah. Stopping at the stop, standing like you, you're you're at the bus stop waiting for a bus to come and a guy walks up and goes and pretends he's opening a door and you're like, guy's on school bus. That guy's school bus and hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was weird because I was like, I was a fucking kid at the time and I there's this grown man with a fucking police uniform. Mon telling me that like acid is gonna make me feel like a school bus and I'm like I I've done this and you're wrong. Yeah. You're educating this you know, and for me it was okay, whatever, I know you're wrong, but there is a classroom full of kids literally listening to him being like, Okay, okay, taking notes and it, it just even at that age it just felt so wrong of like such misinformation. Yeah, it makes you feel betrayed. I mean, that's it's like you're you're not old enough to be an adult, but you know this person is an adult. This person is an authority, and you now know that they're lying. And nobody else knows. Like the other people that don't have firsthand experience, like you said, all the other kids are jotting it down, and you're like, "This is lies." Right, and and then and then so the acid was only one part of it. He also then told us he was like, he told a story about I'm a police officer. One time, you know, I arrested a guy, a junkie down at the bus stop, and um, I, I started searching him. And uh, as I was searching his pockets, like, I felt something prick my finger, and it was a needle. And I, I ran, you know, I ran to, and he said, like, I ran to the Walgreens and, like, sanitized my hand and, like, made sure it, you know, I tried to make sure it wasn't HIV positive and stuff. And he was like, luckily I, I took a test and I wasn't, but he said some shit like that. And then it was just like, I don't know. It was just, it was just kind of crazy. Like, um, he, 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 he said it in a way that he, uh, pricked a needle with his finger and then he no. said, like, oh, I came up. Well, and he said that he came up positive and then later came up negative, which didn't make any sense, right? Yeah, that, I don't know how that, I don't think that works like that. No, it, it literally doesn't. He, and I called him out for it. Oh, Again, wow. this is, you know, 10, 12 years ago. He said, he said that and I called, I was like, that, that. You know, and he, he said you could get AIDS from bongs and shit. And it was like, this, this was the school police officer. Yeah. Yeah. You I, know, for some reason, he was qualified to teach our health class about drugs. It was crazy. Yeah. It's really so, weird. Sorry, it's, I, I know. I, I, it's really weird that they let them say stuff like that. But I think a lot of the teachers have very little experience with drugs, too. Although. A lot of teachers listen to Street Fight. I I really feel like teachers mostly do. <laughs> I, I it would be nice if it would be nice if they would be like, "Hey, uh everything that guy just told you was 
Right. About 10% may be true a little bit. I mean, you can't say that all drugs are great and good and everybody should do them all the time, but you can say that none of them are as dangerous as the police make them. So. <laughs> no, it's just funny because, I mean, the teacher that let this cop into the classroom was obviously very much on their side. You know, he was very much like, I don't know, he was like the track coach and he was like, an old man that he shouldn't have been, you know, I don't know. That was he ours was just, too. He was very much like, Oh, he's like, Oh, he's like, Oh, you're talking in class. I'll meet you by the flagpole. Like he was kind of like, yeah. yeah. I had he, a lot of teachers that wanted to fight. Yeah. Too. We used to, we used to paddle kids like you. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I had a teacher. <laughs> exactly. I had a teacher. Mr. Poddix was his name, which we had fun with. Obviously. But like he, all right, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta. They would say that he actually. It's funny. The first teacher that taught us about drugs was named Mister Noble. His name was Richard Noble, and of course, everybody it was like handed down class by class to call him Dick yeah, Noballs. Dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dick Noballs <laughs> over here. There's also a teacher in our school district that always had a hard on. And uh, people called him Boner. <laughs> and, like, everybody knew about him all coming up. He was the gym teacher. He wore the little shorts. Uh, and, like, he just, you, everybody was always like, check it out, you know. Mr. Ewart's Boner's sticking out. Hey, nice Boner, Ewart. They would yell. And it was always very funny. But, like, Mr. Poddix was, Red. like, a, a veteran. He, Mr. Poddix was a Vietnam veteran and he ran detention and it was rumored. We all respect him. Yeah. And it, and it was rumored that detent, he liked running detention. Like he was just like, yeah, you know, I'll do the detentions and he would run detentions and he would make uh, audio cassettes where he would, yes. Okay. He would make audio cassettes where he would take, pieces of hank williams senior yodeling okay. which is awesome now i mean you know i got a feeling called the blue like i like that shit yeah now we all we all respect hank williams senior yeah for sure but back when i was a kid i did not have respect for hank senior and he would loop him doing the yodeling part so it would be like i got a feeling called the blues i got a feeling called the blues i got it and he oh, would, yeah, okay. that would make me hate that forever he would loop he looped that he made tapes where he looped that and he would play them all the way through detention <laughs> that is torture it's i know the military that uses torture techniques that's what they did in guantanamo like they literally played like obnoxious music in guantanamo it, that way right he had a few different tapes but that's the one i remember <laughs> is that one and that statement that statement i got a feeling oh, called the blues is also like just really wrecks your mind yeah yeah it was uh, detention was not yeah, I, fun I, I didn't even go through that and even just hearing that story right now i'm kind of like eh, this, this is a little bit traumatizing to me. Yeah, 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 I'm really panicking thinking about sitting in a chair for an hour <laughs> listening to that. It was a 45 minute detention. Yeah, freaking up a little bit. Right, and he would be like, "Do your work. You were supposed to work." Oh no, 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 no. At in school suspension, you were supposed to do your work all day. At detention, you weren't allowed to do your work. So, like, I would get detentions. 
Honestly, in school suspension was worse than out of school suspension. It, yeah, a hundred percent. It it was weird that that was the tier below that in punishments when it was like I would school suspension was kind of marketed as lower tier, right? Yeah, but it was worse. I got it all the time. I was in in school suspension every two weeks, (laughs) just sitting in that stupid room. I also wouldn't do my work in there. So I would just like either no. go go get some book and just sit and read one book all day, but I refused to do homework. They would bring because they would bring your homework yeah. to you, and I would just be sitting in there like oh, you might sure. as well not even bring that in. And, and, well, and I'm young and I'm in uh, I'm young enough that it was before the times that we had smartphones, so I was like, I will in an act of defiance, I will read the encyclopedia before I. <laughs> Yeah. I also, you weren't allowed to take restroom breaks. They only gave you two restroom breaks a day and they brought your lunch into you. And every single day I spent in detention, I had an emergency. It's an emergency. You got to let me go to the bathroom. And I go to the bathroom and I'd (laughs) smoke. And then I would come back reeking of cigarettes and be like, thank you for allowing me to do that and sit down. It was just like. I was out in the parking lot smoking cigarettes while I was out there. It wasn't me. Yeah. Well, I did. I did. Yeah. There was somebody. I did always say somebody in the bathroom was smoking while I was in there. Yeah. Hey, somebody. (laughs) Hey, somebody was smoking in the bathroom while I was there. It wasn't me. Okay. Why are you accusing me? When I was in in school suspension for getting caught smoking in the bathroom, <laughs> there was this really cool exchange rate. The way my school worked, right, where it was like, uh, I think it was like once you got twelve detentions, you got in school suspension, and then you didn't have to serve the detentions. And plus, they couldn't really make you serve the detentions because I would just leave. And not go to yeah. the detentions. And it was like, well, to a one day of in school is a hundred percent worth not having to do 12 days, you know? So it was, that was a nice mm-hmm. little exchange they would do for us, which I like. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling in. That was fun. It's fun to talk about some of the weird yeah, old yeah, things. I appreciate you guys. Um, been listening for a long time, and I just I appreciate you. I just wanted to share the story of how dumb cops are. Oh so, yeah. Um, we love we that. All, we all know that. Yeah, we and love so, hearing uh, it. Thank though. you very much. And you too. Uh, I'll talk. Man, have a good night. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Yeah, man, Mister Potick's detention. That was that was a That's real. How. It was weird. It was weird that they did it. It was like, who decided on this? You know, like just I, I, there's just I, I mean, my I have such a limited framework in my mind that I only think that that I can only like the police or somebody needs to thoroughly investigate a, an old man that is like really getting some enjoyment out of making a 45 minute torture tape. Yes. Yes. Like that kind of behavior is just like, no, 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 no. You need to go on vacation. You need to come back with a better attitude, my friend. Right. And they were just like, Hey man, you got detention. That's for you. Yeah. He loves it. Or Earl loves it or whatever his name was. Yeah. He, Hey, he likes doing detention. So let's just let him do it. And he's got this tape. 
Maybe it'll keep people out. Oof. You know. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, this is Tim from Redding, California. What's up, Ken? How are you doing? Good. Um, glad to talk to you guys. Uh, big fan. Um, uh, there's a lot of things I want to tell you about. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I work for the VA right now, and uh, I would be smoking weed all the time if I weren't a nurse in the VA because uh, the the federal government kind of cracks down on marijuana use. Yeah. A lot, and they they drug they random drug test nurses a lot for marijuana. How often? So it'll be a problem until it's off. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm calling about uh, like crazy uh, Trump stuff and COVID stuff in uh, Northern California. Okay. Uh, Redding's in Sh- Redding's in Shasta County, and Shasta County is like I think the third has the third highest infection rate in the state of California. Like, like compared to like Southern and Bay areas. Uh, so like there's, it's like a huge Trump stronghold here. Like, like Trump has even campaigned here, uh, like in 2016, like, uh, there were like major, like similar truck convoy rallies or whatever yeah. up, in, up to the uh, election. Uh, and there's just like a huge anti like mass, uh, mentality here. And, you know, which I think correlates with the, our inspection rates. Uh, there was like, like anti-mask protests at, uh, hilariously Trader Joe's because wow. I think they, you know, the anti-maskers like figured, well, let's, how can we stick it to the lids the most? Let's do our anti-mask rally at the Trader Joe's. There's also, no, that's uh, funny. That's, and- that is like kind of a funny. Like, it's not funny, but it, they did pick Trader Joe. Like, they didn't go to the state house. They were like, we're going to we're gonna really hit the libs where they hurt. Trader Joe's. There is a lot of, I mean, the rise of those richy, rich Republicans that only want organic food, though. Like, are, there's a lot of Trader Joe shoppers, too, that I'm sure are very fucking Republican. Sorry. Yeah. Trader Joe's is about as chic as it gets, so they they shop there too in <laughs> Reading. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's even like more bizarre stuff. Uh, you, you know, remember the Michigan story that some douchebags try like plotting to uh, kidnap the governor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Big Gretch. That's what they call the think- governor there. Something similar happened here too. Uh, it wasn't like as crazy, but like uh, a bunch of uh, anti-mask, you know, Trump chuds uh, came to the a city council because th- this town's just going nuts with uh, the, the uh, in California we call purple tier, which is the highest tier of you know COVID like uh, implementation like implementations for like preventing the spread of COVID. Like purple's the highest, and uh, so there's like just like a lot of just people in uh, the city uh, all, and they're all like chanting like citizens arrest, like trying to like citizens arrest the uh, council members because of, you know, don't tread on me kind of, you know, type of bullshit we're, we're used to seeing from the right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't respect, I mean, they, they first of all uh we were talking about this last night me and brett but there really isn't an objective reality 
it feels anymore. Like nobody seems to have like, like the numbers can, they, they feel like the numbers are always being fudged. Right. So like, they don't believe that the coronavirus, and also you can say, (laughs) also you can say that COVID isn't happening if you've never met anybody that had it, or you can say 0.01% of people die of it. So it's not a big problem or whatever they say, you know, but there's always some reason why you're right. And everybody's wrong. I don't know if there was ever a time during COVID where I felt like we were all on the same page at all. No, like it just feels like they were mad right away. Oh, we got to figure out why this is bullshit. Oh, Trump looks bad. You know, we got to, it's probably a political, a political thing. And like, there's no way to get through to those people unless, you know, if your plan was, hey, uh, uh, if you show up at a store without a mask on, we're going to take you to jail. That might work. I'm not for that because I don't think you should be taking people to jail. But like that, short of that, everything is just lip service. It's just they're not going to listen to fucking anything. If you say it's good for you to wear a mask, they don't care. If they'll say I'm taking a risk on my own. If you say, well, wearing a mask actually protects other people from you. They'll say, I don't care people get sick that's the way that the world is so there's i don't know really how to handle these types of people the this trump world they've lost the election yet they think that they've won the election and they're going to be mad about it for ever it seems like they're like a lost people that we're gonna have to contend with in the future and even now we will always be contending with this group of people they have been building for years Mm -hmm. they figured out how to get young people some young people on their side with trump it was trump because you remember the tea party happened and it was like all you know it's like fuddy-duddy old people wearing tri-corner hats and stuff but then trump (laughs) came in and he got young people to follow him too like it's all i don't even know what to do at this point with them i just know that we're going to have to deal with them and i don't know how to deal with them yeah um you're totally right you're it's frustrating to sometimes uh, argue with these people because uh, I'm a triage nurse at the walk-in VA uh, here in Reading. And, you know, these, a lot of these vets here are Trump fellows and uh, they even got like the, the Trump mask. The, uh, the VA uh, has a vet, uh, like a nationwide policy. If you're in a VA building, you got to wear a mask and it's pretty strict. And basically every official VA building has like uh, security and VA police. So it's like, it's very easy to enforce it, the policy. Yeah. And you now these are all like vet guys. So they kind of, they kind of like respect it, but it's really funny to, uh, I guess as like a nurse, uh, like working as a nurse, uh, I get like some kind of, uh, pleasure in enforcing like, the card of, well, I'm a medical expert and I'm in charge here. So you need to do what the fuck I say, put your mask on or I'll, uh, 
uh, you know, have the security come over. Uh, some, and sometimes I get away with, you know, some patients will become in very sick and say something like, uh, like I, I put like a, you know, what the pulse ox thing is a little thing you put on your finger. Yes. Uh, like it reads like your oxygen level. Yeah. Oh, it's like really low. And, and it's like, Oh, it's because it's really low. You're, you're probably sick. You might have COVID. We might have to isolate you. And it's like, no, no, it's because I'm wearing this mask. I'm not getting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, like sometimes I have to like deal with like, these, these, uh, mouth breathers and uh explain it to them that how dumb they are it's like it's like i guess it's like a little pleasure of uh like a dealing with all like these uh deniers and and shit just to like explain simple like evidence-based science you know get away with it because i got like the vi on my back you know the thing that makes me the thing that I think about that's really like a, a thing we could have done is we should have just mailed them antagonistic ma- masks against libs. You know what I mean? Like maybe like I'm not a liberal on the front or like conservative or Trump or yeah. Trump is, as Rambo. We should have just mailed them those right. at the beginning of this thing and they would have fucking wore them they would have wore them and they would have loved it yeah the post office they had that they said they were going to send out masks to everybody they should have trump should have stepped in and just made them all trump masks yeah and that would have worked because the libs are going to buy masks anyway right right later they don't need the trump masks but the the conservatives will wear the trump mask if they think it's making some liberal some liberal nurse mad at me. Oh, the liberal nurse is mad. He's telling me I might have COVID <laughs> because I'm wearing my Trump mask. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that really bums um, me out about. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted Trump to lose the election is because his. We definitely need somebody to say like, hey, wear masks because a certain amount of people will just listen to the president. You know, like like uh, not not everybody, but there's a certain amount of people that'll just listen to the president. And if the president had been the person that said it from the beginning, then they would be wearing the fucking things. Yeah. Um, just a quick thing. You mentioned the post office, <clears throat> just the extension of this story I'm talking about, the anti-maskers here in Northern California. Uh, so sometimes HIPAA can be frustrating, uh, uh, but you have to like honor and you understand why, mm-hmm. uh, the, the fucking mailman, um, he is like an anti-masker and at the beginning of all this back in, uh, I think it was March when it was implemented, he would still come into the building and cause like a, a commotion because he wouldn't wear a fucking mask. And then like, like, come on, buddy, you got to put it on. And he was begrudgingly put it on. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, he came to, the, like, it's getting bad here in Chasta County. It, our, our numbers are skyrocketing because we're rural. And um, he, he comes to the, the front of the VA. We, we stop people to swab them. And he's like, oh, I'm symptomatic. I want to swab. And, and uh, I want to know if it's safe for me to uh, go back to work or not. And, and like we say, well, we won't know for like a couple of hours, you shouldn't go back to work regardless because you, we don't want you spreading it. And he's like, no, um, like I'm going back and like, I, I, he didn't have this argument with me. This is a, a friend of mine, but he just had this big argument about like, he, I don't have COVID. I just have like the flu or something. And, and uh, he left, we didn't swab him because he, uh, we wouldn't like, 
give him an answer on whether he has it or not, but we told him not to go back to work uh, because he has symptoms and he's like fucking walking around the community passing uh mail. Uh, I talked to my, like, I was so frustrated. I talked to my manager and I talked to our HIPAA officer about how much of a public health risk this is. And like, if it, the way HIPAA law is, if, if he was, he was a veteran and he was a patient of our clinic. So therefore I can't say shit, but if he wasn't a, a veteran or um, a patient of our VA clinic, I would have totally called the fucking supervisor, the USPS and say like this dumb asshole is like a threat to the community. He yeah. needs to do something. He's like symptomatic. And, uh, but that, that was just that, that story. Just, uh, that was just like uh, two weeks ago here. Just blew my mind. Anyway, that's it. That's the last I want to share with you guys. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that sucks. You know, people don't want to leave work either. And we've been saying this since the beginning, since the first lockdown. People are so discouraged from not coming to work and bosses are 100% pressuring people to work. Even if they say they're symptomatic, they're probably pressuring them to finish work. And uh, it, it's it's real fucked. There was know? a new outbreak in New Zealand. They uh, like a, a new outbreak that created all these new cases because a boss said, "Ah, come in with and just wear a mask." Like, wait, if you you feel sick but you don't have a COVID test yet, just work with a mask. And they oh. had it. Oh my god! Oh my god! I hate bosses so much. Well, thanks for calling in. You hang up. All right, thanks, fellas. Oh, have a good night. Yeah, have a good one. Appreciate it. All right, Brett. That's the call. We're gonna That's go home. We're gonna go home early tonight. And it have looks a good like night. It actually, early. Well, I'll probably get there at the same time. Well, maybe not. I don't know. You know me. We are sorry, but the show has uh, ended. But That's goodbye. true. That's true. The show has ended. Thank Ooh. you, computer voice machine. That's Street Fight Radio. That's the call-in show. Thank you to everybody that called in. It was a good one. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're looking for call-in sick voices, right? Yeah, next Sunday. Prizes. We're going to have prizes. Win what? A tin of caviar? No. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to order that. We'll have prizes, though. We're going to want you to call in next Sunday. Give us your call-in sick voice. Maybe give us a good call-in. We're going to grade them on accuracy, and we're going to grade them on comedic value. So if you want to do an accurate one, you can still win. If you want to do a funny one, you can still win. But call in next Sunday, and um, we're, we're going we're gonna to have fun. We're going to call off sick. On Street Fight Radio. Uh, we'll see you uh, on Wednesday. The Basement Show is happening this Wednesday. You can watch it live around 11 p.m. on Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time. If you want to watch uh, video content from us, that's on Patreon. Also, The Zine and Shocktober 2, the wrap-up show, just happened on Friday. It's officially over. Shocktober 2 is done. So head to patreon.com slash Radio to give it a listen. Holy Boys this Friday. New Holy Boys. Pastor Carl Lentz and who else? Anybody else? I'm looking into it. Probably some Kenneth Copeland and I like Benny Hinn. So okay. we'll probably look at some Benny Hinn too. Perfect. Street Fire Radio is uh, live every single Wednesday and Sunday night. We'll see you then. Peace.